0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Four Sigma. Rethink mushrooms and check out foursigma.com today.
2: I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage
3: Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
4: What the hell happened this year? If you want to know the big stories of 2016, stay tuned for our annual Year in Review. Hey there, Heritage Radio Network listeners. I cannot believe this is the penultimate show of 2016 for Tech Bytes. And in case you haven't been playing along the whole time, Tech Bytes is the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And this is our second year in review show uh, where we have call-ins from guests past of the year to talk about what the hell went on, what's going on, and what they think about 2017. Penultimate means second to last. There's one more show to go. Joining me today in studio, as always, in Mission Control, is David Tadashore, who is our engineer and the Heritage Radio Network studio manager. How's it going? It's going pretty good. I can't believe it's the end of the year already.
5: I know. It's crazy. Right? It seems like just yesterday it was summertime and things were happening outdoors at Roberta's.
4: Well, things are still happening kind of outdoors at Roberto's. Yeah, true. They have that holiday market thing coming up this weekend. Oh, yeah. Right?
5: You going to go? Probably not. Yeah, me neither.
4: <laughs> the thing that's amazing to me is this is our second annual year in review show, which means this is the end of the second year of Tech Bytes.
5: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yay. Sorry, a little slow on that. That's okay. I listened to, to, listen to last year's show, and uh, you, you used penultimate in that one as well. So I'm happy to hear you bringing it back.
4: Yes, and for people who don't know, I erroneously, for a long time, thought penultimate meant the last.
5: Yeah, it's, I think that's a common misconception.
4: Especially when you hear it on you know, penultimate episode of Game of Thrones. Penultimate actually means second to last. So next week will be officially our last show. But while we're wrapping up this year, David, do you have a, an app that was your top slot for 2016, the thing you use the most, you love the most?
5: Uh, I mean, we, we, in the pre-interview, we kind of discussed this. Uh, it's not exciting at all. But I mean, honestly, the app that I use the most has got to be Gmail. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty stale and boring one to, to bring up. But that would have to be it. Gmail all day, every day.
4: Well, you know, you need utilities to make the world go around. That's true. I mean, there's business, productivity, and keeping in touch. So, I mean, I think Gmail's great. I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, and if you, that's the one you use versus other. And really all the apps. Google
5: suite, I mean, the calendar, Google Drive, yeah, constantly on those.
4: Okay. So, Gmail as your lead in, but the entire suite of Google products.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Google.
4: I would have to say that my app of the year is going to be Headspace, and I try and use it daily, and I think given all of the crazy roller coaster of things that have happened this year, um, it's nice to have a quiet moment every day, and the thing that I like about it is there's different um, sets of guided meditations that you can do for different things. You can do it for focus, you can do it for sports competition, you can do it for relaxing, family, All kinds of things. So I think it's nice because you can mix and match it to what you're thinking about at any given moment. And uh, it was nice. It was very helpful. So maybe not as efficient as Gmail, but um, a a nice little respite, I think, in the day. So as we did last year, we're going to do this year. We have queued up some amazing guests from... The past year of Tech bites. First up, we have Melissa Clark, who is a longtime columnist at the New York Times dining section. She's also an extremely prolific cookbook author. She was here earlier this year on episode 49 on the print versus digital episode where we talked about the benefits of print versus digital media. Melissa, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm well. How are you? Can I tell you my favorite app?
4: Yes, you can. <laughs>
2: um Exume. atsume you know about the yes cat yes we did it is, that it we is did my that. headspace it is my i take a moment i take a few times every day i check my cats it just makes me feel calmer and saner so i'm just putting that out there for people
4: they're adorable aren't they i've had that for about two years on my phone it's really the only game that i play
2: it's not even a game. It's more just um, voyeurism. You know, you look at the kitties, you know, you buy some toys. It's, I find it very, very relaxing.
4: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Although, And then it has that music that goes along with it also. <laughs>
2: um, I turn the sound off, so I'm just looking at kitties.
4: <laughs> so are you interested in the stuff, like all the little plush toys and the keychains and the whole sort of arena of... Neko Atsume Swag or just digital?
2: Well, when we went to L.A., we went to a store that had a—we accidentally went to a store um, that had a bunch of that stuff, and my daughter went crazy and bought a ton of the little plush toys. But, you know, myself personally, I just like the—I like the ritual of checking the cats a few times every day. It's Very more, nice. You know, <laughs> it's better than checking the Twitter or the news these days, especially. It's, it's calming and happy.
4: Exactly. I, I go through phases where I delete my news and my Facebook apps from my phone so I can um, ignore all of that for a little while. Yeah, I'm with you. So how was your year? You are always prolific in terms of your output for recipes, videos, cookbooks, all those kinds of things. What were your, what were your top line takeaways from 2016? Well, I mean,
2: you know, the New York Times, the cooking app, um, has been getting um, more, we've been um, focusing a lot on, you know, Recipes, of course, we always focus on the best recipes from the times. But we've also, you know, in this, we've been combining stuff from the section as well, and um, we've gone even more national than we had been. Um, you know, we are obviously a national publication, and we've the food section has become more nationalist reporting. Um, for example, Pete Wells is now going out and doing national restaurant reviews, and this is huge for us. This is a very big deal, and that's been garnering a lot of attention. You know, he went to California, um, and those articles were very. popular popular. Um, and then, of course, anytime he writes a three-star review, that gets a lot of attention as well. And, you know, we had Le Cuckoo this
4: year. Um, we um, uh, we had... Um, Le Cuckoo is a fashion. good one. I can endorse that with a big thumbs up. I had a great meal there earlier this year.
2: Oh, yeah. No, it's fabulous. And then, um, you know, so anytime... so And, of course, um, he just had Aska, you know, just, um, you know, so recently, just today, yesterday. So that, you know, if that people are going to click on that because they want to know, you know, the very best places to eat. So that's been, that's been, um, but the, the national the increased national focus has been a great change for us. And then, you know, people really want to get back to, um, they're always looking for techniques and basic recipes, things that they can go very deep in. Um, they like things like Julia Moskin just did an article on the best chicken soup so that was also very big for us. People want to know, you know, they want to know how to make these basic things, but they want to know the best possible version. And they want to go to a place of authority like the New York Times to kind of weed out like, okay, you know what, you have done all the research, we trust your research, tell us what to do to make it the best. And so that's been terrific.
4: So when I was on the site earlier uh, this morning, actually, is tell us what the distinction is between the best recipes when you curate them, and the most popular recipes when you curate them. Because I was spending quite a bit of time on the 50 most popular recipes, which is interesting.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, okay, so you know what one one of our number one most popular recipes of last year was, was Sam Fifth Indian and Mississippi roast. Did you see that one?
4: Yes, I did. And that actually was covered on one of the shows earlier this year also. I remember. Okay. I think it was the Jimmy Bradley-Andrew Friedman show.
2: Yeah. I mean, that recipe was a sensation. And what was appealing about that recipe was that, you know, it was a sort of classic um, not a highbrow recipe, like a very middle America, very comforting recipe. Um, A lot of New Yorkers don't know that recipe. I'd never heard of that recipe, but it had this huge following in um, other parts of the country, and everybody was, everyone who knew the recipe wanted to know Sam's take on the recipe and what the, and, you know, his reporting on the recipe, and then people who didn't know the recipe were fascinated, well, first of all, because it uses a slow cooker, you know. And also, you know, when you take a recipe that's classically made with a lot of paired ingredients like soup mixes and gravy mixes and things like that and then you break it down and you make it still simple but from scratch that is always going to be super popular because people want to know you know especially right now there is continued um focus on health and wellness and um if you can you know kind of combine all of those things you've got the comfort food you've got something made from scratch and you've got something that is a healthier version those are going to just like hit all those notes
4: Yeah, I remember it being a big, big moment in terms of internet recipes and people's interest and discussion around that. For you, what was your? um, Did you have any surprises this year in terms of what people clicked on and commented on? And were there any things that you thought were going to be big hits that were just great, or things that surprised you that people were so voracious about their their interest?
2: You know, it's funny. You never know. You really never know what the thing that's going to hit big is. I mean, predictably, you know, so when Thanksgiving comes around, you know, it's turkey, right? And so this year, I did a very surprising turkey. I did something called a splayed turkey, which is a new technique. And um, you know, normally you roast a turkey, you roast it whole. I cut the, and I didn't spatchcock it, which is another popular technique where you cut the turkey. Add, you cut the backbone, and you open up the turkey, so for this, what I did was I, I actually opened up the legs and it 's a different technique it 's a little weird, it looks weird and I was really surprised that um people i mean I knew it 's turkey it 's Thanksgiving, but what I was surprised at i wasn 't surprised at the number of comments i wasn 't surprised at the number of views. what I was surprised at was the pop the the positive comments, because, you know, common, you know, people, when they see something new and they see something challenging, often, you know, in the comments, their first reaction is, oh, my God, this sucks. This is terrible, you know, especially for comments. It wasn't like that. It was, the, the, And it was interesting because there was a, a wave of comments. The first comments were like, what the hell is this? This is crazy. And then as people tried it and more people tried it and more people looked at it, it, it built this wave of positive comments. And I loved the fact that it turned it on its head. You know, it turned this very negative idea going in and then just turned it into this very positive experience so that was super cool um a sleeper recipe i did a creamy corn pasta with basil like just corn pasta very simple through the roof people loved that recipe it got a lot of um a lot of comments a lot of positive
4: feedback um maybe because it's it's not something that we think too much about (laughs) a very simple thing yeah so, what was um, your favorite food trend for 2016? Your favorite, think, and then your least favorite.
2: Um, oh gosh! Well, I mean, I love the growing, the continued growing popularity of the Eastern cuisine. Oh, it is just always making me happy, always making me smile, um, because you get a lot of flavor. Um, when you stock a Middle Eastern pantry, it's just not that hard to get a ton of flavor out of your food. It's very simple food. It's very you know, simple in that when you have, when you have the condiments and when you, you, know, you have the preserved lemons and you know how to use garlic and yogurt and different kinds of chili peppers and spices, you can get a lot of flavor. And we're learning more and more about how to use those flavors. So I love this trend. Um, although I did get an, an, a memo from my editor saying I wasn't allowed to use preserved lemons for all of <laughs> 2017. So, <laughs> I think
0: and there it some, is. There might
2: be some, uh, flat, you know, Some I'm getting a little bit of a uh, back on that. But <laughs> <laughs> That's And then great. also, you know, I mean, I did a couple of recipes. Here's another surprise thing. I did a couple of recipes for weirdo fish. You know, I'm trying to encourage people to use fish that are sustainable and yes. um, not just salmon and tuna and and you know, sole, so and flounder. So, I did a um, whole roasted fish um, with lemongrass, chilies, and coconut, which people really loved. It was these south asian flavors and it was a whole fish it wasn't just a filet and then i also did a mackerel story and i and again more popular than you would think people really loved it and so i'm happy i'm i'm heartened to see that the trend towards sustainable fish is something that's on the rise
4: well that's fantastic so it sounds like you had a good year a surprising year and we'll be looking forward to 2017 to see what kind of creative things you'll be doing without preserved lemons Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) I'll find a whole new ingredient that'll get banned in 2018.
4: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for calling in, Melissa. Have a great holiday, and we hope to talk to you in 2017. Likewise. Take care. Thanks. Bye. So that's Melissa Clark, columnist, New York Times, Food Section. If you want to follow her, she is at Melissa Clark and also at Clark Bar. Um, and you can Google her, and she's got lots and lots of recipes and content all over the Internet. Next up, we have Jacqueline Raposo, who is one of my fellow co-hosts here at Heritage Radio Network. She hosts a show, co-hosts a show called Love Bites. Her co-host is a guy named Ben Rosenblatt. They're on Mondays at 4 p.m. You can find her at Words Food Art. She came on the show episode number 74, and their show's about love and dating. And, you know, there's a lot of tech in love and dating in this day and age. Um, so it was a really great, fun conversation. And Jacqueline, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Very good. Excited to be sort of wrapping up the year and uh, excited and a little um, in disbelief that it's the end of the year already.
6: I know. I'm ready for a new year, though. I'm ready for a for a change.
4: So, but you are halfway through something very interesting. Um, when you yeah. were on the show, you were just starting a social media cleanse that you did for the summer, and then that sort of snowballed yeah. into a new project that you're doing. That you started in June. That's going to go into June 17 called My Year of Abstinence.
6: Yes, it was huge. It was. Um, I did 40 days off of social media, and dating apps that started on June 21st, thinking that that was going to be it, and it was so inspiring and life-changing that I, when it was wrapping up, I decided to study taking myself out of the game for other types of experiences for an entire year to see if they would be as life-changing. It, was, it made that much of a difference in my, in my health and in my social interactions and in my happiness. So it was a huge, huge thing for me last year.
4: So it's worth noting for people listening who I can hear all the naysayers now. They're saying, well, I can't get off (laughs) social media because that's how I meet people to date. I can't get off social media because I use it to promote my work, my work life, work connections. I can't get off social media because that's how I... Meet up with my friends and find things to do. So I think it's worth noting, and maybe you can share with people. You are a writer, and you use your—I yes. mean, your social media and digital life is pretty important in your day-to-day business.
6: Well, so to that extent, I should clarify that I did post things both since I do the social media for the radio show and for my work as a writer. I did set up a Hootsuite account. I went Hootsuite Pro, so I paid the ten dollars I think per month so that I could post things as they came out, and so I could schedule posts, uh, both on Facebook and on Twitter. I didn't do Instagram for the 40 days, but I was able to post when writing pieces came out or when we had guests coming on the show. I just didn't interact with the programs at all. I didn't track uh, who, was in, who was, you know, liking them or retweeting them. I didn't join the conversation, and I never went on to the apps themselves. I just scheduled things via Hootsuite and that was sort of it. And as far as the dating apps go, I just, I needed a break from all of it. I was, a guy had ghosted me uh, who I met on a dating app and we'd been texting and we'd been planning to meet up and then he just disappeared. And that happens a lot as I discuss on Love Bites. And uh, as far as social media goes for work, it's, it's been a learned thing for me. I, I'm not one of those people who inherently finds community on digital platforms. It's something that I I mean, I, I run blogs and websites and I can do very basic coding and I work with a lot of apps and photo editing and video editing, but it's definitely been learned skills. And so with social social media interactions, it's not something that feels intrinsically healthy and genuine for me. So I was I was really ready for that break. And it was hard. It took it was it, There was a withdrawal period, and it helped me face some very dark, scary moments of wanting to connect and not allowing myself to reach for the technology to connect with other people. It wasn't easy in the beginning. It was a good 10 days at least of definitely going through withdrawal of of something I didn't realize I was very addicted to and reliant on. But by the end, I was so much more connected with people in the real world and was facing my own issues and with figuring out how I could use the technology to really make me feel better about my work and about my interactions with other people rather than using it as a crutch or to fill a false void or even just to fill time when there were other things that really made me happier to fill my time with.
4: So I think the first piece probably for most folks is deciding to do it and then sort of deleting out all of their apps and you know getting all of the access to those things out of reach. What did you do for the first few days when you were experiencing that withdrawal because I think the the beginning my guess is that that's probably the most critical time period. I mean it when was, they, if you're quitting if you're doing Go ahead.
6: Yeah, especially because I it was during it started on June 21st, and I spent a lot of the end of June and Aug and July by myself in Connecticut, house sitting for my brother, and just sort of isolated from people. Um, I journaled. That's why I started. I started blogging at my year of with these journals just to sort of track um, how things made me feel. I was re- I ended up just reading more books and watching more movies. Um, it was it was more a recognition of wow how often am i reaching for my phone without even thinking about it it was i was i was honestly uh, more disgusted with myself and i think that almost helped me get through it get through the that bad the habit part where i wanted to when i when i was sad or frustrated with something or i also have an illness so i spend a lot of time by myself not feeling well so when i was alone and not feeling well and wanting to connect with people, it just sort of helped me realize, you know, this isn't necessarily going to make me feel better anyway. If I go on to Twitter or go on to Instagram, I'm going to be seeing what other people are getting to do, and I'm going to be sick and alone anyway. So it was, that withdrawal wasn't, I mean, it's, I didn't have one thing I did. It was more in the beginning stages, just facing the facts of my life. And again, that's why it ended up being so impactful and you know, snowballed into this big project that I'm still dealing
4: with. Well, that sounds like an amazing, uh, exciting thing to be doing. You know, I vacillate also between loving technology and digital media and hosting a show about it, and then also wanting to just sort of disappear from it and and go completely analog. And I think weekends and holidays and traveling are great moments to do that in little bits and... um, I'll be very curious to follow your story and, and see how it is and hopefully you can check back in with us later, you know, next year as it goes along to see what some of those broad strokes are and Definitely. what you have discovered. I'm
6: doing is the last 40 days I'm doing for the year will be an absence of all of the challenges I'm doing, including social media, so it'll be interesting to see if after a whole year of studying taking things out of my life oh. um, if I really can face my problems sort of naked and vulnerable and by myself if it works. We'll find
2: out.
4: <laughs> well, I think it sounds like it's working already. And you know what? I mean, you calling in, I, you know, like to remind people that one of the original technologies and forms of communication was phone calls. And sometimes it's nice, you know, make a phone call. It's great. Hear somebody's and yeah, voice. More people yeah.
6: call me now because of it, which is lovely. Like I did a not texting thing for a long weekend, which we talked about it on our show, a good deal. And because of it, we did a whole series on technology and dating on love fight. It's been very fascinating to see when people know you're taking yourself out of the game, they pick up the phone and call you. And that's been pretty awesome.
4: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for calling in and for coming on the show and for sharing, uh, you know, your very personal story and personal journey, which might help some other people wrangle that social media monster and that digital monster that we all, you know, kind of grapple with every now and again. Thank you so much for having me. So we will take a quick break and before we get to our next couple guests, and we will hear who our sponsors are. For those of you who don't know, Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. That means we rely entirely on folks like you, our members, members like Perry Arafar, who have recently joined And we also rely on companies, business partners who endorse and underwrite the shows, like Mona Creative, which is a New York City-based marketing PR company who is also hosting their second annual holiday pie contest this Sunday, December 10th, at Gigi's Pizza in the East Village, with all of the proceeds going to the ACLU. So if you are interested in learning more about Mona Creative, that's monacreative.co, and... Um, we will post the entry form for the annual Holiday Pie Contest on all of our Tech Bytes social media. Stay with us.
5: And this one is called Snow Crash by Rec Tech. We'll be right back.
0: Four Sigmatic
1: is a superfood company started by a group of Finnish fun guys who got sick of using mushroom supplements that didn't work. The company wants to help popularize mushrooms like chaga, reishi, cordyceps, and lion's mane with products like mushroom coffee and hot cocoa. The company was started in 2012 and launched its products here in the US in 2015. Here in the studio, we have been loving their products. I drink the mushroom coffee with cordyceps and Aaron loves their mushroom hot chocolate mix. So rethink mushrooms and check out foursigma.com today.
4: Welcome back to Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today's episode is our annual year-in-review recap where we have guests from the past episodes call in. And check in and see how their year was and see what they're looking forward to for 2017. So next up we have Rachna Giovanni, who is one of the co-founders and CEO of the food stand app. She was on earlier this year, episode number 71 when the food stand was launching something they called the good eating challenge, um, which is a really neat set of, of tools and, and programs that they added to the food stand app to help people make small but potentially impactful changes in their day-to-day eating. Rachna, are you with us? I'm here. Hey there. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to hear your voice. How are you? It's wonderful. It's nice to have conversations with people. It's so much better than texting and emails. So much better. (laughs) Yeah. We were just talking about that on with the guests before you. So how has the Good Eating Challenge gone? It's been a few months now since it's launched. How are people doing? Are they eating better? Did they stop drinking soda?
3: (laughs) They're they're definitely eating better. So it's been about um, eight eight or nine weeks since we launched these challenges, and they've been going incredibly well. Um, We were curious to see which challenges would be most popular, and I'm happy to report that the most popular challenge by far is the quitting soda challenge. Um, And thus far, our members, just since we've launched, have Saved over seven hundred thousand grams of added sugar from being consumed, but just wow. by quitting soda. Wow, which is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. And the nice thing that we've realized from these challenges is that there's a lot of people out there all around this country and around the world who really want to make these changes in their lives, and they really haven't had a simple path forward. And, and these challenges have given them a really kind of simple, joyful way of tackling this this new habit that they want to build. And, and we're happy to just be there to, um, to bring them on that journey.
4: So is there anything that surprised you in terms of something you thought people would gravitate towards that they didn't, something you didn't intend to be a thing that people jumped on that bubbled up to the top?
3: Yes. So we when we started, we launched with about 10 challenges. And we had a hypothesis of which ones would be most popular. We thought that there would be a lot more people aiming to reduce their meat consumption. Um, And there's a lot of people doing that challenge, but we went back to our community and asked them, you know, what else are you interested in, in working on? And one of the things we talked about when I was on the show previously was, this idea of drinking more water. And so our members asked for that challenge. That became immediately the second most popular challenge. Way more people are, are interested in getting better at hydrating than cutting their meat consumption, which, um, you know, is great in some ways and, and something we're looking to understand a little bit better. And then the next most popular challenge, which we were also very surprised to see, was that there's a lot of people trying to stop eating uh, late night. So stopping the kind of 11 p.m. Uh, munchies, and so we built a challenge around that just because people had asked for that. So I think we're really focused on responding to what in, what our eaters are interested in improving and making sure they fit within our guidelines.
4: Is there a correlation between people um, taking the stop drinking soda challenge and people doing the drink more water challenge?
3: Yes, absolutely. There's there's a lot of people who do one and then do the next one uh, right after. Um, because oftentimes the best way to drink more water is to stop drinking soda. You, you create space in your diet for that. So there's definitely a correlation there between those two challenges.
4: Interesting. So on the good eating challenge for 2017, do you, see, do you have some new things rolling out? Are you looking forward at some other changes? What, what do you see in terms of the evolution of that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So the nice thing is we have our members going through one challenge at a time, and, and therefore they're getting more advanced. So in 2017, we're not we're going to be rolling out some more challenges that are we would think of them as a little bit more difficult than what's out there today, and so really diving into cutting processed food entirely, helping people focus on that um, and and more challenges that are a bit harder than what's there today. And then on top of that, we're making some changes and improvements um, to really enhance the experience for the end users so that they can stick with their habits. So we're rolling out a series of additional rewards um, and prizes. We, we did start that recently. Um, so, for example, LaCroix, uh, the, the natural soda uh, company, and has given our members free cases of of their sparkling water. Oh, my goodness. Say that again.
4: Say it loud. People love that La Croix (laughs) water brand. I mean, there are towers and towers of it in the grocery stores in Manhattan of all the different flavors. So say it again very clearly for people who are listening. (laughs)
3: Members who make it all the way through the Avoid Soda Challenge are earning themselves a free case of La Croix Uh, And and I did check on this. It is pronounced LaCroix and not LaCroix, which I I was was mistaken when I first started. Um, So we plan to roll out more rewards like that. We're also planning to roll out a maintenance mode feature to help people stick with the habit once they've built it um, because you don't need to be checking in on things forever. Uh, We want to make sure people can move on to the next thing and still not lose what they worked on. And then finally, we want to uh, improve the the kind of buddy experience so you can bring buddies on, help each other um, within the app experience so that you have not only accountability from the community, but accountability from a person who's maybe right next to you or a friend or a family member.
4: Well, that's fantastic. Before you go, I want to ask you a quick question about your startup spotlight. For people who Mm -hmm. uh, may not know, Food Stand Up also has a series of events in real life where they have founders of different food tech companies stand up, give their pitch, and then they can have feedback from the live audience and from a panel of different experts to sort of help them along their startup journey. What kind of things did you see from 2016? Did you see any trends in types of businesses, surprises, surprises? Yeah, it's interesting.
3: We we saw early on a lot of e-commerce-based meal kit delivery services um, pop up for different niche communities. That was very much the early part of 2016. There was a dessert delivery company. There was a mom's food delivery company. There was a, a kind of halfway prepped meal kit delivery service that's a little bit more uh, prepared than Blue Apron. So we saw this influx of those businesses early on, but I think As that industry has started to shake out and we're seeing the operational complexities of food delivery in this country, um, we definitely transitioned away from that and we've seen a lot more artisans uh, come forward with actual products that they're, you know, single product or, or two to three products in a product line coming forward because their intention is to provide an alternative to the processed food that's out there and then expand their business with the ultimate hopes of either getting acquired or turning into the next kind bar. Um, In fact, we uh, earlier this week actually um, just hosted or co-hosted a spotlight in Detroit uh, with the Detroit Food Lab, um, which was a really great opportunity to see what the food entrepreneur community looks like in a different city. Um, And there uh, you definitely saw. Um, the majority of entrepreneurs uh, really focused less on tech and more on truly providing better food options for people in their communities.
4: Very interesting. You know, we did a show a couple weeks ago, Episode 79, um, Holidays Delivered, which was about specialty delivery kits. One was baking, um, Red Velvet NYC, and the other was cocktails, Swig and Swallow, where Mm -hmm. you get kits delivered to your home um, to make specialty things. So I, I definitely think the kit and home delivery is still coming for sure. Do you have any yeah. thoughts about what you think the big trends are going to be for 2017?
3: I think people are going to figure out the the kind of grocery part of the food system. Um, the Better Food System has done a lot of work with artisanal goods um, and more of these specialty products, but grocery remains uh, kind of the untapped um, uh, kind of nut to crack, so I think there will people will be making headway on the grocery front. I think we're seeing the success or, you know, um, hopeful success of something like Thrive Market uh, coming to fruition. So I think that's going to be the next big thing, which I think will be a huge win um, when we think about unlocking healthier food supply for underserved communities. Now, given kind of the political environment of 2017, I think there will be more opposing forces. Um, that we didn't have this year that we will have to deal with. And so I think that's going to present an interesting new set of challenges. Um, But I think the progress that we've made in 2016 in terms of creating a healthier food system has set a good foundation for us to handle whatever comes next year.
4: Okay. Well, I want to thank you for calling in and sharing all those insights. And we'll be looking forward to hearing from you in 2017 to see how all these things develop. Definitely. It was good to catch up. Have a a great holiday season. You too. Thanks, guys. So for longtime listeners of Tech Bytes, our next guest phoning in is somebody we used to hear all the time, but since he's moved from New York to Washington, D.C., now he's a phone-in special guest from Washington, D.C. I am talking about, of course, Jack Inslee who was the Heritage Radio Network executive producer um, up until 2016. Now he is our at-large producer. He was also engineer for Tech Byte and host of DJ show Full Service Radio, which is the name of his new upcoming uh, podcast network in D.C., which is something he'll be launching in 2017. Jack, are you there?
1: I'm here, but I'm not there. It's, oh. it's, it's, it's weird. Hi. <laughs> You're not in the booth. I'm not in the booth. Uh, I'm in the imaginary booth. I'm here, here in my home studio in Washington D.C. in lovely Anacostia, which is sort of, as you could imagine, uh, the the equivalent of like the last stop on the L train in D.C. That's where I live.
4: Okay. <laughs> So, Jack, 2016, you were here for the first half. Actually, th- first three quarters, because you went down to D.C. in the fall. Do you have any, you know, hindsight, looking back, uh, thoughts about 2016?
1: Generally, um, or Tech Bytes, because for Tech, Tech Bytes, Bytes, I think the Saks will be, yeah, the Sax will be scholars uh, episode was probably my highlight of the year on your show. I thought that was just so awesome to really get the pulse of... Uh, the youth, if you will, um, I, I thought that was a really special episode, and I was really happy that you did that. So that, that was probably my um, my my number one episode. Though, though I do, of course, always love the digital detox, Yes and then hope you continue continue doing that.
4: Yep, they're important to do every now and again, um, and especially as we just heard from Jacqueline, who's doing basically a whole year of kind of giving things yeah. up and detoxing and digitally. One of the things, well, see, now because you're, I, I don't see you once a week at the radio, I have to follow you and stalk you a little bit on social media to find out what you're up to. And <laughs> you have to tell us about the Michelle and Barack Obama White House Christmas party that you went to. I think it was last week.
1: It, was it? Oh God, time is flying here. Um, I. Actually, yes, uh, I've been to the White House a few times, believe it or not, since I moved here. Um, How? Luckily enough. How? And I, and
4: did you talk yes. to Barack about being on Tech bites? Because you know he's my dream guest <laughs> of all time. I,
1: did you mention all that? I get, all I could get out, Jen, was, uh, was thank you to both of them. That's all I was able to really say. Um, I don't really know what else to say. But so, so the story of, of Jack getting to the White House here, I became friends, good friends now, with uh, two wonderful people who work in the digital strategy office of the, uh, of the executive office. So they're kind of responsible for videos and social media and, and stuff like that. So... Really, really lucky to call them friends, and um, they invited odetta and I as their plus ones to the White House staff holiday party.
4: That's amazing, um,
1: unbelievable, Jen. So, like the whole, you know, they, they they lead you into the White House, and all the staff members and their friends are there, and there's an incredible food spread. Serve yourself with charcuterie and shellfish and lamb chops and cheese. All Everything you can imagine from the White House kitchen, uh, which is incredible. The pastry spread was unbelievable from their pastry chef. So just kind of stuffing our faces in the White House and all this antique furniture in the White House library, (laughs) sitting down drinking champagne, drinking eggnog. There's a marine band playing music, a children's choir. And, you know, you can look out the window. It's literally the front window of the White House and see the lawn.
4: So did you do a receiving line to say hello and thank you and shake hands with them? Is that how it worked, or so did they a, mingle?
1: No, this is a fun story. So they, uh, they they walk down the stairs from the residence. So we're kind of in the main room on the ground floor, like I said, looking out onto the main lawn. And the Obamas live upstairs. It's where the residence is. So, so at a certain point, the band, the, the Marine band stops the music, and they say, you know, Ladies and gentlemen, the president and the first lady, and they walk down the stairs and everybody cheers. And Obama walks up to, they both walk up to the podium to kind of give a thank you speech to their staff members. So one by one, they are calling out each office and asking for the office to cheer. So it's like, Floatus office, and everybody cheers. And then when it gets to Digital Strategy, which is our friend's office, Obama says, okay, Office of Digital Strategy, and it's probably the loudest cheer of the night. And then Obama chuckles, and he goes, you know, you guys are going to make a YouTube later. And Michelle goes, no, 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 it's going to be a Vine. And then Barack says, Vine's dead, honey. And Michelle's <laughs> like, no. And, and, and she goes, no, no, Vine is cool. And he goes, no, it's over. I'm sorry. And then the crowd is like, he's right. It's over. And Michelle's just shaking her head, and she's like, wow, I can't keep up. And then Obama goes, you know, just saying, we know which one's the hip one now. So <laughs> there's sure your- Barack Obama's social media moment at the White House. Uh, Yeah, so he finishes his remarks, which were really inspiring. You know, a lot of the staff members are very young, and in light of everything that's happened, you know, his message was, you know, some of you have 50 years of service ahead of you. 50. Wow. Um, So, you know, play the long game. Yes. Three zigs and zags. There's a lot more ahead. And it was very inspiring. And luckily, you know, Ogata and I were towards the front of the small little crowd, so when he finished, he shook some hands and said some hellos, and we got to shake hands with him and Michelle and, and thank them.
4: Oh! So, Did you get chills? Unreal. Was it electric? Are they just amazingly yes. dynamic and completely everything, like a force field of, of just brightness and intelligence and vivacity?
1: Everything you could imagine, absolutely. It's weird you, like see them on TV and on the Internet for eight years, and then seeing them in person was really kind of... Uh, surreal, Um, but it is electric, and you know, uh, we're we're, we're lucky. That's why all I can really say is thank you. I think we're we're lucky to have had them. Um, They're very young. They're going to be living in Colorama, D.C., which will be steps away from Full Service Radio's location. So that I'm very much looking forward to and and hope I can run into the two of them again at some point, and maybe even sneak in an interview Who knows?
4: There you go. Jack Insley goes to Washington. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. It's like a TV show, a radio show, a movie.
1: A radio show. That's right.
4: Wonderful. Well, so, yeah, I'm so glad to hear from you, Jack. Down. And I've seen also that, that you've been playing full service radio down in D.C. with DJ Uptown Nico, who is the mastermind behind the Tech Bytes theme song, which makes everybody happy as soon as they hear it.
1: Yeah, um, we're, we're DJing down here, for sure, um, but the, you know, the larger project for full service is it's going to be a really incredible project. There'll be an entire podcast network, and' I'm kind, of, you, know, in, in, in many ways, a sister station to Heritage. We'll be doing some food programming here in conjunction with Heritage. And um, it is slated to open in 2017. I can't announce exactly where yet, but there will be tons of music and all different types of counterculture podcasts. Uh, the idea here really to promote the D.C. creative community. So it's all about D.C., all about putting D.C.'s creatives on the map, uh, especially now in light of what's happening. You know, yep. we're, we're energized here, and uh, it, it's time to kind of claim the narrative of D.C.
4: D.C.'s going to need so. some good vibes coming up real soon. So, Jack, if people right. want to follow along and stay up with the news and all the gigs, how do people find you and follow you?
1: Best place now, uh, at Jack Insley, Inslee, I-N-S-L-E-E, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Those are probably the, the most active places. Or find me on Facebook, if you'd like. Though Facebook, it feel kind of personal. It's going to weird to promote your Facebook these days. But, uh, yeah, th- those are the best places to follow me. And you'll certainly be hearing more about Full Service Radio in the coming months, um, in conjunction with some stuff alongside Heritage. So all very, very exciting.
4: Well, it was great to hear from you. Great to hear you call in. We we miss your voice on the show, um, and I mean that just hearing your voice, and I also mean your point of view, which has always been great. And also, you know, the little interns and and all those kinds of things. So, we miss you, but we miss you. We wish you the best and the best of luck, and we will be really happy to assist in any way possible. If you get Brock into the studio, I'd like to just throw out there that, you know, he is my people. I'm from Hawaii, you know, so we're like Ohana, <laughs> which might be helpful in terms of, you know, creating a, a nice community of folks around him to do a, a podcast.
1: Amazing. And I just want to send uh, a thanks to Aaron and David and Katie and the whole team of Heritage Radio. It's been unbelievable watching the growth and all the exciting things happening. So, um, This is my chance to actually plug donations on a, right? I'm not there in person. But if you're listening now and you've made it through to the end of this show, you better be donating to Heritage Radio. You better keep donating to Heritage Radio. Many, many big things are on the horizon.
4: There you go. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Click the beating heart. Thank you, Jack. We'll talk to you in 2017. Have a really great holiday.
1: You too, Jen. Thanks
4: so that was it that was our 2016 year in review recap look back and i think one of the interesting things that i just am realizing now after listening to all of our guests you know melissa clark from the new york times jacqueline raposo from love bites radio and rachna giovanni from the food stand app these are all people working in the digital media digital tech app space they're all really uh, focused on helping people have a better food life and a better personal life, either by getting off your digital tech or you know, enhancing it somehow, which I think is very interesting. At the end of the day, all of these digital technological things and products are always leading us back to um, a great experience in real life. Uh, and technology makes it possible for, for friends and family like Jack Insley to join us every now and again. I want to thank uh, David Tadashore for holding down the fort, all of our guests for calling in, and all of our listeners, sponsors, members, and donors for keeping HeritageRadioNetwork.org on the air. We are running into the very end of our year-end funding drive, and we need to raise money to stay on the air in 2017. It is the season for giving. I know people are giving a lot, um, but think of us. You know, it's great to have a place for conversation and voices to talk about all the food things that are important to us. I'm Jennifer Laiuzzi. This is Tech Bytes. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening.